right, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good middle of a sleepless night. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is my co-host Steve Mez, and we are extremely excited to welcome you for the first time to the Team Blaney Podcast. Now, the Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. That's Steve and I representing that. And Steve and I have been diehard followers of Blaney Racing Family for about two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation racer Ryan Blaney, who drives the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. For this podcast, each week we plan on reviewing Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then previewing the next race for the upcoming weekend, offering some news, notes, and our own brand of analysis for the races. So we're really excited to get this thing started. It's been something that Steve and I have been talking about doing for probably two or three years at this point and uh finally steve we decided to get this thing going are you excited oh am i excited am i excited just a little bit excited i think <laughs> it's easy to start i'm watching stuff on tv now and then you went to rolex this weekend so i'm really pumped after watching you you know the racing there this weekend and i can't wait to see the guys on track uh this, this weekend coming up yeah it's, it yeah, was a ready to get going yeah. all these every week you know, these every week we'll be on here. We'll bring you a podcast. We'll give you some insight into what we're thinking each week. I'm gonna try to do my best again to listen to Scanner each week, give you a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes, and uh, hopefully give you a little bit different perspective and talk about the strategies and and whatever Team Penske can do to help uh, Ryan uh, get to the end of the playoffs this year. Yeah, and I mean, really, the whole the reason behind doing this in the first place was. We just don't really see that much out of there. Ryan does a, a great and hilarious podcast, if you don't already listen to it, called Glass Case of Emotion that he does through NASCAR.com, and it is terrific. But for the most part, they kind of shy away from racing talk, which I think is by design. So what Steve and I kind of want to do is just give fans a little bit of an update and some insights and some statistics and kind of everything you need to know to get ready uh, for the weekend's race, specifically if you're a fan um, of Ryan Blaney. And then also, uh, one thing we're going to just keep tabs on is that we're still huge fans of Dave Blaney um, and his uncle Dale Blaney, who may or may not race this year. We're not really sure. Um, he's been uh, uh, moonlighting a little bit as an official with the All-Star Series recently. Um, but they still are in the world of dirt racing. And... Um, We'll keep tabs on them, too. If we happen to see that either of them are going to pick up a, uh, the wheel of a sprint car this year, we'll try to, to keep up with that and give you uh, notes about that. But for the most part, we're going to be following Ryan, who um, will run full-time uh, on the Cup Series circuit again. And I don't know, Steve, have you heard anything about him running any Xfinity races this year? It seems like they don't really kind of announce that schedule. They don't really announce it, but I don't think they're playing with it much anymore either. With all the concentration this the, the last year where you had no practice, no qualifying, and that's going to happen a lot this year again. I don't think they really want to mess with driving another car in a different series and taking up time that way. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see too much of it. Yeah, that is a really good point. Um, so, I mean, the purpose of this first episode, we kind of just will probably be the only episode that focuses a little bit on Steve and I. Um, because, of course, who are we? We're not famous. We're not, we're not Ryan Blaney. Uh, we're not Jeff Gordon or something like that, that uh, you really want to know that much about our lives. But we kind of just want to introduce us ourselves to you, just so you know who's kind of talking each week and where we come from and uh, why we feel like 
we should be talking about uh, what Ryan's doing out there on the track. So um, we're just going to talk a little bit back and forth about how uh, we actually became fans of Ryan Blaney. And if you're a fan of any driver out there, there's usually something that triggers that that fandom. And um, in my case, um, so I live in Florida now, kind of in the middle of Florida and kind of go to a, a ton of races at Daytona and Homestead and some other tracks around here. But I grew up in Northeast Ohio, which is where the Blaney family is from. So I grew up probably about uh, less than maybe five minutes from, <laughs> I think, the Blaney Homestead in, in Hartford. So, um, But leading up to the 2001 Daytona 500, I can't say that it was exactly this person, but I believe uh, Mike Ackleson, uh, who's a sportscaster for WFMJ, one of the Youngstown uh, NBC affiliates, was doing some previews about Dave Blaney, uh, a driver from the area in NASCAR, uh, running the Daytona 500. And... I hadn't been that big of a racing fan prior to that. Uh, my family maybe went to Mercer Raceway Park in Pennsylvania, just over the border, a couple of times while I was growing up. So that's really the only uh, way I saw racing. And then I saw, you know, there's this local guy that's in NASCAR. And NASCAR at that time was still kind of in its modern heyday um, fan-wise. There's a lot of buzz around it a lot of buzz around the Daytona 500 in the season starting. So he did some pieces about that on TV and it kind of got me interested. It's like, who's this guy? It's cool that there's a local guy. We didn't really have that before. So, and then it, it happened to be, so that 2001 Daytona 500, Steve, I know that's a tough race for everybody. Um, it was a good race. The finish was kind of exciting, but also at that finish, NASCAR lost its, its icon. Yeah. That's where everybody kind of, focus that day and that well the next weeks to come all the different changes that start happening you know Kevin Harvick basically becomes a superstar all of a sudden but yeah everything that uh that day kind of changed everything and uh, it brought a different type of focus to the racing too which uh <clears throat> but uh, it did grab attention you know grabbed everybody's attention and uh it changed the way we watch motor sports too yeah and I started I started really like after it i was gonna say i started a little bit later than you did it took me a year or two to find uh i found out that dave was racing in nascar and that he was a local guy and ackleson probably was a good good person uh that, that brought those things up because he actually did a weekly report and tell you where he was starting each race that week and then uh, if you watched sunday night's broadcast he'd tell you where he finished you know which most uh coverage of the race on if you watch ESPN or something and they gave you who won you know and who were the top five and you know but from our local angle our local interest we actually got to find out where our guy was you know he was our guy you know where no matter what happened you know we want to know where our guy was so yeah that's probably I was probably more like 2003 2004 right around the time that the 77 car came around and uh you know the big big third place finish at Darlington and stuff like that that's where I really started to follow every week what was going on with uh, with Dave. So actually, I just looked it up. I wasn't even sure. I was, I was just telling you because kind of the Earnhardt death overshadowed that whole race. And I'm like, oh, wait, actually, where did Dave even finish in that race? So Dave, if you have to remember, is running for Bill Davis Racing at the time in the number 93 Amico uh, car. He's It was a Dodge this year. So I think it was uh, also the first year that Dodge came back into uh, cup racing at the time. So unfortunately, Dave only made it 135 laps uh, with an engine failure. So I'm sure at the time I was a little bit disappointed 
um, kind of tuning in to see the local, you know, the local favorite running the race. And then he kind of went out early, but obviously the events of the rest of that race kind of overshadowed things a little bit. So, um, so moving on from there. Um, so also, um, uh, just a stone's throw away from where I grew up, uh, Sharon Speedway in Hartford, Ohio. And, um, that place became a huge part of my life growing up because the Blaney family, along with a group of local investors there in Northeast Ohio, purchased the track and historic track that had been running for a long time. Now I think it's probably up over its 80th anniversary or maybe even in more than that i know when i was still there they had celebrated their 75th but historic track so the the blaney family buys it they start doing some renovations to it and i'm a kid and you know i think this would have been 2002 2003 looking for some summer work and um there was uh some people that that were that not worked at my church that went to my church that were uh working in the ticket office at sharon and they knew that they were looking for you know some uh, kids or young adults to, to kind of fill some of those seasonal jobs over the summer at the track. And I was full on into being a Blaney fan at that point. I had already made my parents kind of drive me around until I found a, a place that was selling one of Dave's shirts. Um, a couple of different, this is like some gas stations around Hartford that were doing this at the time. So um, when I heard I could go work for that family and work at this racetrack, I was stoked. Um, so I started to go work at the racetrack the first year I kind of worked around the concession stand a little bit. And then after that, I kind of became a staple for the next few years. If anyone went to Sharon Speedway, you might remember a chubby kid in an orange vest with an orange flag parking your car, or at least trying to convince you to park your car in the row that I was attempting to park you in um, at the track. So um, kind of being there at the track, getting a, a even bigger taste of racing. This time it was uh, dirt racing. So kind of back to what I was a little bit familiar with before being a fan of NASCAR um, was really exciting for me. Plus Lou Blaney was running his number 10 modified at the time and immediately became a fan of Lou. And I would see Lou when I was working at the track and you kind of revered him a little bit. Um, just cause you kind of, I don't know, he had this presence about him though. He was a real friendly and humble guy. It's like, you just knew like, this is a guy I need to respect. Um, so became a big fan of Lou immediately got one of his t-shirts. Um, and then Dale would also come Dale, I think was running some, a couple of different touring series at the time, probably the all-stars and some other series. And Dale would come to town too, um, race some of the bigger sprint car events, immediately a fan of Dale. So at this point, Dale, Dave, Lou, Adam's their biggest fan. I'm actually spending all of the money I'm earning at Sharon Speedway on the weekend buying their merchandise <laughs> just to prove that I'm a fan. Um, so from that, um, I get to start talking to some people. Um, I think even I even knew about this website um, during that 2001 year, um, quickestlap.com. There's still a Facebook page around there with some of the people that are I don't know, alumni or whatever you want to call it from uh, the old website and message board. But I started hearing about this website and a lot of Blaney fans. It was kind of the home of Blaney fans. It was supposed to be beyond that to be all NASCAR drivers, but it really kind of just became a home for us and uh, what would become the known as like the Blaneyacs group. And that is where I believe Steve and I's paths would have, would have first crossed. Yeah, the message board, uh, found the message board and got to talk to other people. And it was... Uh... Um, they had chats, a nightly chat, so you could go on and chat nightly with, with others. 
you know, computers were way different back then. Uh, the internet was way different back then, actually. So you would get in these little chat rooms and you would chat with the people and you'd be able to talk each night about, about the racing from the weekend or what's coming up. And a lot of the, I noticed a lot of the Dave fans back then were dirt fans first. There were people who, who found him through when he was on dirt racing sprint cars. And it was real kind of cool for me because I didn't quite have that background. I've gotten it since, but I didn't quite have that background. So I learned a lot from those people about what Dave did in a dirt car before he was even in NASCAR. And then, yeah, the message board turned into the internet radio show that would come on once a week. And we would start doing that together. Um, I don't know when I jumped in, but, uh, and the fan club was actually connected to the message board also. So we did the fan, fan club and the message board and, and the internet radio show. And it became an every week, you know, kind of occasion to get together and, uh, and be able to talk about racing. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I would say that, um, this show though only in its infancy um i like to think kind of pays homage to that that old quickest lap internet radio show that would come on like you said you would be on it um i was on it every once in a while usually i was helping out uh joe danier who ran quickest lap um with some of the technical side of things um and i would hop on there every once in a while but it was kind of a cool cool thing to see i at the time um was going to school uh eventually in, into college for um some broadcast stuff tv and radio production that kind of thing so that was really um somewhere that i could kind of hone some of that skill set that i was that i was working on so and now we've decided hey let's kind of revive that idea a little bit still focus on uh the blaney family and at, now at this point um you know dave's kind of doing some dirt racing here and there the same with Dale. Like I said, he's working a little bit as an official right now. And the focus is on Ryan who has, I don't know if I can say he's a superstar yet. I'm, I don't know. Would you think he's a superstar, Steve? Um, the name recognition is definitely there uh, where, you know, they put the broadcast on and well, let's compare dad. Okay. To Ryan. <laughs> okay. We're watching, we're watching dad in a race in 08, 09, let's say. And he might get on TV once and maybe twice, you know, do a decent job with something. But Brian, every race, there's a camera. It's going to be focused on what he's doing. So, yeah, I would have to say superstar. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess you kind of forget about, I think, early, especially early on um, in Ryan's career after he, he won his first truck race and then he won a couple of Xfinity races. And, and I remember talking with Steve you know, four or five years ago, it's like, man, you just, you for, kind of forget, you know, where, where we, where we came from, where, I mean, I wouldn't trade this time for anything in the world with, with following Dave and rooting for the hometown driver, um, at the time, but, you know, Dave would finish top 10 and it was like, our world had exploded where now it's like Ryan doesn't finish in the top 10, or if he just finishes 10th, it's like my world is coming to an end. I'm not, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, we kind of got spoiled, really spoiled the last couple of years with the success. I mean, and that's expectations too. He has those kind of expectations. He feels the same way. You can tell listening to his in-car audio, you know, they expect to be there every week. But you're right, back in the past, they they finished ninth somewhere, and we'd be going crazy. The, the two Talladega races where he finishes yep. third, you know, or, or the Darlington race where he finishes third. And we're just, you know, the, and I can remember the night I woke up all the neighbors when he won the Xfinity race or yep. nationwide race back then, you know, 
I, I did. I woke up my whole neighborhood. Um, they knew who I was rooting for that night. <laughs> but 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 you're right. That's kind of where you know now we're just kind of like we expect it. You know, it's it's nice to expect it, but we should take it shouldn't take it for granted either. You know. Sure. It makes it very, very stressful. And like when Dave would run well, which often was at plate tracks or super speedways, um, those are stressful races in general. But yeah, now every week I'm a little bit stressed. Um, but it's great to see Ryan running up front. But I mean, part of this whole thing is just the, that whole uh, group of folks from that quickest lap site. Um, now a lot of us have kind of migrated over to social media with uh, between Facebook and Twitter. But we're, you know, incredibly loyal group. Um, a lot of us have formed kind of lifelong friendships with, with each other. Um, we've mourned the loss of more than a few members that we've been really sad to see, see go over the years. And, um, so it's kind of laugh together, cry together, celebrate together. Um, I know, especially between quickest lap and just, um, some social media stuff, it's kind of the first place I go and Ryan has a great run. So, um, part of that, um, just some of that stuff kind of as we were becoming fans and with the Blaniacs, it's like highlights of that early time. I remember, you know, David had lost a ride and he was kind of going back, um, back to after the 77 and going back with Bill Davis a little bit. And like, I didn't have any money, but <laughs> as a kid, but I remember that whole, the Blaniacs kind of made headlines a little bit. And were even mentioned on some of the NASCAR broadcasts of us trying to raise money, uh, as a group, to sponsor Dave so he could run uh, in a race. Do you do you recall any of that a little bit, or I, at least kind I, of? Vaguely? I do remember. I do remember some fundraising to try and help uh, help sponsor. Who who was it we were trying to sponsor? I can't remember. What uh, was it to help Bill Davis because he ran that twenty three car? It was yeah. It would have been during the would have been during the twenty three car time and. Dave had a, a couple of sponsors that stepped up during that time, and I remember Bad Boy Mowers being one of them. Um, I never know if I'm saying it right, but Wheelin or Wellin or whatever, uh, the, the folks that make the safety lights and Wheeling, yeah. yeah, so they stepped up and, and sponsored Dave and a, a couple of the, the plate races, Talladega, Daytona kind of, uh, stuff. So I think that's what our goal was, but they were able to kind of scrap together a little bit of funding. And then eventually Dave ended up coming back full time. Um, I would have been, I guess, after Ward Burton would have left. Yeah. or one of the others for the 22 and he went back into the 22 caterpillar car full time and that was kind of exciting so but it's like even that year it was just like being fan of this now kind of scrappy driver that's you know trying to claw his way back into which i don't know that dave would ever describe himself as clawing trying to claw his way back into <laughs> into cup racing since he's uh, just like lou and kind of humble but you know he finally gets back in a full-time seat we're excited again and Dave kind of, toward the end of his career, kind of drove, uh, I mean, him when he went to Richard Childress Racing and drove the 07 car, that was a pretty exciting time because it's, like, big-time team. I mean, Bill Davis, you know, they're a big team. They won Daytona 500s, but they hadn't been winning championships where, you know, Richard Childress won, I think, six championships with Earnhardt and um, championship-winning team, and you, it's great sponsor, cool sponsor that was out there doing uh, advertising and tons of merchandise. That was, I know Dave had, had had pretty decent merchandise before that, but Jack Dan that Jack Daniel zero seven car was all over the place. So a sponsor I really could support. Yeah, <laughs> I was too young for it at the time, but I can tell you that I am uh, retroactively supporting Jack Daniels to this day. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate them sponsoring Dave for that year. It was interesting they had sponsorship at Sharon Speedway, even like uh, 
the Jack Daniel stuff would be all over Sharon Speedway. They had the umbrellas and everything else set up in their uh, down there at the um, concession stands and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool that the sponsor went all the way down to there too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were doing. Um... Yeah, they they had billboards up there. I do remember that. I remember the barrels were kind of like a little picnic area thing out in the back where they were selling Jack Daniels products. Um, so that was that was a a cool time. It was like kind of David had really hit the big time, kind of a rebound in his career though. That didn't last very long. I think that only lasted about a year after that, and then um, Dave kind of bounced around a little bit more. Um, had some other big highlights uh, with the the thirty six car and Tommy Baldwin racing. Um, actually kind of helped build that team, which is, now that's kind of sad. The team's kind of folded up, though they field a car every once in a while, but um, was helping trying to build that team. And you mentioned uh, a, you know, a top three finish that he had at Talladega in that car. That was like when the Golden Corral kids eat free thing mm-hmm. um, happened. <laughs> so they, that they was really that, cool. They've shown that race like three times this past winter for some reason they, they, when they do the um... – it was FS1 or somebody hadn't had just showing NASCAR races and they've showed that one like three times, yep. you know, cause I kept hearing about Kevin Harvick having nightmares about yep. kids eating free. Kids eating so, free. And that was great. I, I even remember, you know, their sponsor and, and going to the golden corral here, even, you know, the one here in Florida that, and uh, seeing Dave's kind of stand up in the golden corral. And I mean, you know, they only sponsored him for a couple of races a year, but it was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it was cool for me. I bet there's tons of other people wondering and wondering who Dave Blaney was at the time, but um, since he was kind of out of the spotlight, but that was cool to see. So then eventually in steps, Brian and I, I you know, working at Sharon Speedway um, would see, you know, the, the Blaney family and Dave's kids kind of, come in and out throughout the year. They weren't always there. I mean, Dave's busy racing. So every once in a while, uh, his wife, Lisa and, and the, the, the daughters, uh, Emma and Aaron, and then Ryan would kind of show up and it's like my first experiences with Ryan. And, you know, not that Ryan really would even know who I am specifically. Um, maybe a little bit from the, the Twitter stuff, but you know, he's this kind of smaller kid. I remember they brought his quarter midget, and kind of displayed it in the fan zone uh, one time at Sharon. Um, I'm I am 99% sure this happened, but I'm pretty sure he ran a, a green flag sprint car once on dirt, at least for some hot laps. I don't know if it was a full race or not, but I know Dave and a couple other people were running. Um, so it's like kind of see Ryan coming up. And I mean, I'm younger and then he's this, you know, youngest kid. And then I'm hearing in the, those quarter midget days, he was already winning races like right out of the gate. We, we may have done one of his first interviews. I don't know if you remember, but when we were doing the internet radio show, Dave would come on like once a year, maybe twice a year, promote something at the track at Sharon Speedway, uh, whether they were having a NASCAR night, which then later turned into the Lou Blaney Memorial. But he would, he would come on and we do an interview with him about basically that to help promote that night there at the Speedway. And he had Ryan come on the one time and that we asked him questions about racing. I don't remember how old he was. I wish we could go back and find that archive. Yeah. He, and I think Dave was doing it just to kind of like let him know how it worked a little bit. You know, it was kind of cute. Um, he answered questions. He was really nice. You know, they were both very nice. It was always nice for Dave to come on and do that once a year you know, too. But, uh, yeah, I think we may have done what would be considered his first interview. 
Yeah, at least for maybe <laughs> maybe at least for internet radio, he maybe he did some some at track stuff at quarter minute tracks midget tracks, but. I don't know. Maybe we know a guy. We'll see if those those archives exist, but it's possible they've they're they're gone to the ages. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so Ryan, I mean, he kind of moves up quickly. Um, I think he did some Bandol- uh, Bandolero racing, and then um, Legends cars. I think he may have been in some Legends cars, and then jumped into um, the late models on asphalt or super late models. He and he will he will tell you, you know, though his family is. Uh, you know, history is in dirt racing and maybe he'll experience some dirt racing more in the future. Um, he really doesn't have that much experience on dirt. Dave kind of, and I don't know if it was just Dave doing this or just the fact that, you know, at this point they're in North Carolina and kind of an asphalt track hotbed. So Ryan's running on asphalt and not dirt, but that also uh, resulted in him moving up the, the asphalt ladder rather quickly um, I remember he won like the past South championship in a, I don't know if that had been a late model or pro late model, super late, I think it's super late model. Um, so he won some pretty big races in that. He went out, I still remember and won, um, I think it, it would have been like a K&N West race or something that, at, was at Phoenix, right? It was at Phoenix. That car um, won the last uh, fan club meetings they had was at Dave's shop. And that car was sitting in the shop. They were working on it before uh, before he used it there for that K&N. Yeah. So he kind of comes on the scene. And then because of Dave's connections um, with Tommy Baldwin, they start fielding a X, uh, was, so the nationwide series car for him at the time. Um, started fielding him, I think, in his first race may have been Richmond. Um, which <laughs> yeah. oddly enough, you know about Richmond and, and Ryan now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but night, he, it was a top 10 finish that night. Yes. I think it would have been about ninth. So his first ever nationwide race and he comes out of the gate and finishes in the top 10. So it's like, okay, he's won this K&N race. He's won in everything that he's been in so far. This is getting a little bit exciting. <laughs> so... From there, Ryan, if I mean, if you're a fan, you know a lot of this, so I'm just kind of rehashing things, but he kind of moves on. He, he, his runs in that Tommy Baldwin car kind of starts to impress some people and kind of catches the eye of um, either Roger Penske first and then in turn Brad Keselowski or Brad Keselowski and then in turn Roger Penske. Um, so he starts to run a, a handful of truck races for Brad and then uh, from that kind of the rest is history with him and uh, kind of joining forces with team Penske after that and kind of getting rooted uh, as a development driver for them. And um, it was kind of interesting. I mean, he ran a handful of, of truck races, then he went full-time truck racing and then would only run um, the X or the nationwide and the Xfinity side here and there. But um, I don't have them in front of me right now, but if you pull up Ryan's stats from the nationwide series and Xfinity series, they're phenomenal. He has not run that many races compared to what some of these other uh, kids ran at the time. And he has multiple wins and very few finishes outside of the top five and top ten. If, yeah, I'll have to pull those up uh, sometime or a little bit later. But his, his uh, and I think that's really kind of what landed him. I mean, he ran trucks full-time for an, another couple of years, but then he kind of went straight into that Wood Brothers car and totally skipped over doing full seasons in Nationwide, which I think if he did a full season... We might be saying champion 
Xfinity champion next to Ryan Blaney's name, don't you think? Yeah. Did they um actually he ran a, a Penske car for a selected race or two before he went to the Wood Brothers? Because I can remember he ran it at Kansas. He qualified for the race, and he bumped his dad out of the race. <laughs> That's true. He actually started. I mean, his cup. He's only he's only driven two numbers in cup now, so the twelve and the twenty-one. But he actually went from the twelve to the twenty-one, and then back to the twelve. And I believe that uh, twelve sponsorship would have been SKF. Yeah, I think that's what it would have been. Yeah. Um, it was a blue and white car that he that he ran for that first time. Yeah, that's right. That Kansas race, and we we're always really hoping to see Dave and Ryan run a race together. And I think still the only one that they did would have been the truck race at Eldora on dirt, yeah. which Dave kind of spanked him in. So yeah. That, yeah, that year, and then Ryan did well the next year. I yeah. remember he, he learned, he picked up, and he learned. But yeah, yeah. Well, Dave is. <laughs> Dave should run this this the Bristol this year. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things where, um, you know, really just kind of hoping that, <laughs> hoping that maybe uh, someone would would give Dave a call or somebody. But um, I don't know. I've heard it go a lot of ways. People talk about Larson and Christopher Bell and a bunch of other guys that at Stenhouse and people that have experience on dirt, and they're like, oh, that doesn't really translate. But then you start listing off the people that won that uh, Eldora truck race and it's Christopher Bell and it's Kyle Larson and it's like these same people. So it's like, I think a little bit, no, it's not the same. You're they're driving a boat around there basically instead of a, you know, a, a high powered sprint car. But I think a little bit of it translates. So I think Dave maybe could, maybe could give him a run. Yeah. The guys who ran Eldora and in, in the trucks are going to be the ones that are going to do pretty decent. And they're the ones that everybody's going to ask questions of that week on what to do even though the trucks are different, but it'll still be that same, you know, heavier vehicle on the dirt that, uh, you know, a sprint car would, would be able to do. Although Dave's raced a sprint car at Bristol before. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Probably it would have been that last time that they, that they would have put dirt on it. So, yeah. So from on there, Ryan's career is kind of picking up and I'm getting excited. He's already, I mean, Dave won that, uh, one Bush series race at Charlotte on, uh, Friday the 13th. And, iconic race for blaney fans um and now ryan's kind of come in he's already won multiple truck races he's held off uh what is either harvick or kyle bush at, i think it was kyle bush at bristol in an xfinity race or nationwide he, race at the time he beat him on a restart beat him on mul- and i think it was multiple restarts too i know his iowa truck win i think it was after multiple restarts too but that was nerve-wracking so ryan's already surpassed what dave has done again it's hard to compare the two. Dave kind of joining NASCAR a little bit late and getting on asphalt a little bit late, where that's Ryan's whole career path was there. So we're already spoiled. I mean, I'm as a fan, I'm like this. I don't know how this gets any better. So what I noticed at the time was that not a lot of people were seemed to be following Ryan, or you know, Ryan was like winning stuff, and I, it still seemed like on Twitter and stuff when he would when he ran a couple of those truck or, or cup races, it, they, people were still kind of like, "Who's Ryan Blaney?" And that kind of didn't sit that well with me. And I'm like, "Come on, he's won these truck races, he's won these Xfinity races, or nationwide races. How do you not know who Ryan is?" And then I kind of notice, you know, Team Penske has their official Twitter account, which is great, and honestly, they have a lot to keep up with between. <laughs> everything that they do i know they don't they don't have an imsa program anymore but they have that you know that full fleet of indy cars 
uh, plus the cup team, plus the, uh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember what the, the Xfinity, or yeah, Xfinity team. Yeah. God. It's not that many sponsors now. Um, to keep up with. So there, there wasn't really like someone solely focused on putting out news or results or maybe even some in-race uh, updates on what Ryan's doing. So 2014, about halfway through the season, I decided to start um, a Twitter account called Team Blaney. And it's kind of like a passion project. I know I remember I said kind of at the beginning, I'm trying to explain to people that, you know, I'm just a fan. I've been a lifelong fan of the family and I want to do my part to kind of uh, help people get to know Ryan and Dave and Dale and what their results are. And um, though I'm not on it even still to this day, like 24 seven, trying to keep everybody up to date because I do have a, a full-time job as a, as a, uh, I don't want to say a real life journalist, but as a journalist too, as a day job. Um, so this is kind of just more for fun. It's kind of a hobby thing. So I start Team Blaney on Twitter. I eventually start and uh, move that over to Facebook as well and just kind of start giving people updates. A lot of it's, you know, pulling some things from Team Penske, but also just giving race updates, um, listening to the scanner here and there texting my good friend Mez over here who listens to the scanner kind of religiously asking if, you know, he knows what happened, why this tire went down or why did he pit or why was the pit stop slow? Um, so I start this Twitter account, start this Facebook account and immediately start pulling in a lot of that, uh, old group, uh, people that met from quickest lap. And then it's expanded from there. Um, and it's been fun to see it grow. It's not the biggest, twitter account in the world it doesn't compare to the thousands and thousands of people that follow ryan or team penske but you know it's you know six or seven thousand people on each platform that you know i can post something and get a hundred likes 200 likes or something like that and especially on facebook out of the um since that i think maybe that early blaney fan group is really on facebook still there's a lot of engagement there so it's been fun doing that. So if you ever wondered who was kind of behind that team Blaney handle, now you kind of know it's me, Adam, and um, maybe a little bit of Steve in the future. If I, you know, give him the password someday, he might <laughs> might hop on and be able to post a few things. I, the, the, you find some things, though, that I, I don't think I would be able to find. Um, some of the dirt coverage, uh, dirt racing coverage of Dale and Dave uh, over the years has been really great um, because – the dirt world is a little bit behind on the, on the technology end of it. There are some drivers who wouldn't even know what a Twitter was if it hit them. And uh, you were able to find things on Dave and Dale too over the years that they're racing here or they're racing there. And we've been able to pick up on that too, which is kind of cool. Um, I've spent a lot of years uh, at the dirt track these last like 10, 15 years. The company I work for uh, has a booth over at Sharon Speedway. We used to do engine giveaways with, with our company to certain race series in the area. So uh, I would be able to actually go to get to go see Dave and Dale race a lot more than uh, that I did earlier when they were earlier in their dirt careers. So your coverage of the dirt area on, on the uh, team Blaney uh, is pretty good too. Yeah. And I mean, and some of it still surprises me or I kind of shocks me or I just kind of see somebody else, uh, post something saying, Hey, Dave just showed up at this 
this place and then I try to follow along and just retweet some things and maybe give some results here and there. I mean, over this time, Dave has won uh, one or two, and I was actually live at his last win in the Lou Blaney Memorial at Sharon. I was, uh, we went on a, what we call a vacation back home from Florida to Ohio, <laughs> and uh, Sharon Speedway is one of my stops usually, uh, those old stomping grounds. So, um, but I don't know, Team Blaney does okay. I was just kind of pulling it up just to see, but it's almost 7,000 people on Facebook, and then uh almost 6000 people on twitter so there's probably some overlap there i know i'm a uh, i yeah. like both of those and you probably do too um so i mean the the idea there i mean uh, part of this podcast i mean we're kind of just promoting it through that uh that platform um but hey we we may also start some other things we might start a, a race thread uh every week during the race where i mean right now um another reason why steve and i are doing this is we pretty much spend every Sunday or Saturday night, if it's a Saturday night race, texting each other um, throughout the race. <laughs> Sometimes it's excited things. Sometimes uh, Adam's a little bit negative, uh, but we'll see. I'm, uh, Steve, Steve's a little bit more of the glass half full guy. I'm a little bit more glass half empty when it comes to some, some things. Uh, would you agree? No, you've talked me off the ledge a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, the idea was it's like, well, we talk about this all week. We talk about the stuff leading up uh, to the week. We talk about it during the race. We talk about things after the race. So we're kind of bringing that conversation between us uh, to you guys who might be a little bit interested. And, in, um, you know, sometimes I'll be shooting, you know, Steve some stats about, you know, you know, last time he was here, Ryan finished this. Or, you know, he's always good at Kansas, but it still hasn't won. Or, you know, I mean, there's there's things like that I think that we'll be able to, to talk about a little bit that that might be that might be kind of interesting so i mean is there anything else about your fandom specifically that we we missed i know i talked a lot about my stuff and then kind of fit you in a little bit along the way i mean well yeah i mean i grew along with the message board more than anything else i think and then like i said my job kind of gave me more of a, a, a path into the dirt world more than i'd ever ever seen before and that was really really cool because i used to do the NASCAR night, which like you, like you said, turned into the Lou Blaine Memorial at Sharon Speedway. And getting to see those guys come in and then drive a dirt car. You know, I can remember Harvick showed up one night when he was racing with Shell was his sponsor and he had a modified, I think it was, with the Shell on it. And, you know, you watch him every week on TV and, you know, that's you know, big arenas and they're, you know, and here we are at Little Sharon Speedway. He comes off the track, he pulls the car over to his trailer and everything. And he's got a nice setup, you know, he's got a superstar kind of setup over there and he does an autograph or two and then disappears into the trailer. And I thought, Oh, well, Mr. Big shot, you know, but no, actually he went in to grab a Coke. He come back out the door. He did every autograph, took pictures and you start to see these guys on a little bit different level than, uh, you know, uh, and you will see them on TV. And when you get to know them like that, like Dave, that was a great thing about Dave. When we go to a track and watch a race, if uh, you can get to the merchandise trailer in the morning at a certain time, and he don't always come and do autograph sessions. You know, not every driver does that, you know. And when you get that kind of like, um, it makes you want to root for a guy like that, you know, when you find out that they're that accessible and that uh, the fans get to actually see them, meet them, talk to them, and not just be, you know, at a arm's length, you know. Like some of them do, although not all of them do anymore. They were a little more, you know, when things get back to normal, at least, you know, you'd be able to do that in a track. 
Yeah, and one of my my favorite things. So so having worked at Sharon that whole time, um, I worked at the Speedway for almost ten years before I moved to Florida. And like I said, I started out working with the concession stand. Then I I was parking cars in the parking lot slash also emptying all of the trash cans that were around the Speedway and sometimes during the week cleaning up underneath the stands at the Speedway. Um, and then eventually uh, was promoted up into uh, being a race official, uh, working the transponder system. A lot of that thanks to just some computer expertise, I think. It's like they needed kind of a nerdy guy that could run this new uh, computer system that tracks uh, the cars uh, on a computer that assists um, the the guys that are uh, also doing scoring like by hand, which again, uh, Pat Longley was one of the folks that was up there as a scorer. Um, Jim Ballantyne was up there, uh, I think, as a scorer as well. It, it was just in, it was crazy uh, how that whole process works, but that's probably something for another day while I'm doing it on my fancy computer system, just seeing everything, and then they've caught the same thing. So I worked there for a long time. I got to see some of those first NASCAR nights. Um, I think the original NASCAR night, the guys didn't actually race, but it was a, it was a fundraiser for um, the Victory Junction Gang Camp. Kyle Petty was there, Tony Stewart was there, Greg Zipadelli was there, Ken Schrader was there, Dave was there. I showed up to work in uh, early, it would have been before, stood in line, got my autographs. I still have an autograph program and a Ken Schrader, the only car that I had at the time uh, was a Ken Schrader M&M's 36 car, <laughs> and I brought that. I was excited. I think I had even purchased it before I was really a race fan, just because, I don't know, kind of like how Kyle Busch has a lot of kids as fans because the M&Ms I think that was part of it so I have a Ken Schrader signed uh, M&Ms car from that time and the coolest part about that night was um, my friend and I that that I worked with and I can't remember in my mind I remember Kate Blaney saying yes you can go into the the Sharon they had the special Sharon Speedway booth all the way at the end of the grandstand that was specific to VIPs or you know uh, guests of the track and um, we wanted to go watch the feature races, uh, up there. And so we kind of go and we sit in the back and just watch, spent most of the time watching Kyle Petty and Schrader and Tony and Dave watch the races, <laughs> just thinking how cool it was that I'm in a booth with a Petty and, you know, Tony Stewart's here. And like, uh, it was just, it was insane. So that's like one of my greatest memories from back then. Dave and Tony also did a night, um, which may have even preceded this, where they both ran Big Block Modifieds. I think I still have the t-shirt. Uh, Tony had his own number 20. It was yellow and black. Dave ran um, kind of a familiar scheme. He still does that Smith, I think it's like Smith Brothers number 74 car that he that he runs um, still every once in a while. And then just beyond that, yeah, they kept bringing in more NASCAR nights after that. Um I remember when Eldora was doing that prelude to the dream thing and their NASCAR drivers coming in. I'm like, ah, Sharon's been doing that basically forever, at least the last few years. So, but yeah, you did get to see how accessible those folks were. And then as Ryan got older, um, he did, he has done a couple, even I think with even not last year, but the year before that did some autograph sessions at Sharon for fans and alongside Dave and Dale. So it's exciting to see guys like that come to your local racetrack. Yeah, I got to I got a memory of Schrader when he was racing there one night and he's just standing on the fence by himself watching the other racing. 
and it was really kind of surreal because you're like, oh, there's a guy who's every week at you know at a NASCAR track, and he just I could anybody could walk up to him and talk to him about you know what's going on out there, you know, and uh, yeah, the hometown tracks it definitely makes it uh, a lot more fun, especially when those guys come in. So that kind of wraps up, I think, just letting you guys know who we are. That's probably the only time, and we're going to tell stories every now and then uh, about our fandom, but we just kind of want to give you just an insight into why, you know, we're passionate about uh, the Blaney family and their racing endeavors and why, you know, following Ryan and NASCAR is such a big part of our lives. And, I mean, for me, it's like I'm lucky enough to kind of live in this, you know, near Daytona and, and like the one of the major areas of NASCAR racing and get to go to several races a year, except for last year was a little bit weird. Um, I did spend the weekend at the Rolex 24. That was kind of cool. Maybe Dave Ryan will be interested in running that sometime. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's cool to be able to, to follow somebody like that, be able to go see them live. And then it's, it's great when, um, I mean, I don't want to knock anybody that's a fan of anybody else, like Kyle Busch or someone or, you know, someone that people would say, oh, they're a front runner or something. Um, when you can have that hometown connection to where, you know, there's even, it's not on all of his things, but, you know, when last year for either Fox or the NBC broadcast, I think it was NBC when they were doing the, the driver intros where they would say where they're from and Ryan gets up there and says, Ryan Blaney from Hartford, Ohio even though he grew up in, you know, North Carolina, but he cares so much about his roots that he would say Hartford and having grown up just down the road from there and, and working for that family. Who's amazing family altogether. Um, how can you not be a fan? That's how I feel. It's quite a connection you, you, you have, especially because you work there and did so much there and you've met, met everybody all the way down the line, all the different, you've the three generations, you've met all three generations been able to talk to them and uh the, the racing uh connection there it's, it's incredible yeah brookfields you're only like two miles three miles from the track yep and, uh, so it was it was an incredible time like i said incredible family i'm i was blessed to be able to even be in their presence and, and work for them for all of those years and um and the the work that they're doing now um with the ryan blaney family foundation and continuing to give back and just I don't know. They're class people all around, and um, I would say we're everyone's kind of proud to be a fan of them. So that's kind of the whole reason behind Team Blaney, the whole reason behind starting this podcast. Um, we just kind of want to promote that, keep yeah, things positive, give, and, and yeah, we want to give you a place to listen to somebody talk about the race too. You know, uh, his podcast that's on during the week is great. It's funny. It, it's humorous. They try to be that way. They talk a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end about the race or the race coming up. But we want to give you what we saw, what we think. And then, you know what? I'm sure Twitter will tell us different or you're going to know something we don't know. And that's going to be great because we should start that kind of exchange of ideas and, and be able to talk about the things that happen during the race. You know, I try to listen to the scanner, like you were saying earlier about, uh, Adam was saying earlier, I try to listen to the scanner and see what uh, what's being said and what's being done. And, you know, we go back and forth texting during the race all the time now maybe we'll do a little less so we'll save it for the podcast but uh you know we'll give you our perspective of what we thought happened during the race and what we think can happen next week and and hopefully be optimistic every week because we really do think that every week he can win and that's the most fun thing of it is every week ryan can win so 
that's kind of what you can expect from us. We just want to, like, as Steve was saying, our mission here is to, and I said it a little bit in the intro, we want to review, or in this case, ahead of the Daytona 500, we're going to give you a little bit of a preview uh, of the race each week, give you some statistics, um, our, a little bit of our backseat driver analysis of what uh, we think that you know the team should be doing or what to expect from the team that week. And then we're just going to transition into uh, previewing, or uh, so that was the the preview for this time, and we'll review and then preview the race for the next week. So it just it's we want to be able to talk about racing. It doesn't get talked about that much, and um, if we can provide that to even a small amount of fans, I think it'll be a success as far as we're concerned. Well, the best part is we're going to come at it from a layman uh, angle too. We're not we're not experts in the field. I'm not going to be able to tell you what happened to the engine and why this went wrong or that went wrong with something exactly. Now, hopefully I'll learn something, and I try to every time something does happen. But, uh, you know, we're going to try to learn and, and, and have fun with it, and we want everybody to just have fun with it. It's not going to be serious. You know, like I said, you can contact us through Twitter, I'm sure, and, and maybe you'll have an idea on something, and maybe we'll try something, and we'll talk about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully get more people to listen each week and uh, have a good season. All right, so now part of this whole deal, I think uh, uh, we mentioned if you listen to our trailer episode, again, if you're if you're listening to this on the, the website, the ACAST website, um, you can also find us on iTunes uh, uh, or Apple Podcasts, and you can also find us on Google Podcasts, and it would be terrific if you kind of went onto those platforms, hit the subscribe button. Um, after you at least listen to this first episode, you can give us a rating. Hopefully it's a good one. That would be, <laughs> that would be helpful. But Hey, if you have constructive feedback, we'll take that too. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, both of those, if you search team Blaney or on Twitter specifically, if you go to at team Blaney, search team Blaney, go to facebook.com slash team Blaney. You can, uh, like the page on there. Um, like I said, that for there, it's kind of like breaking news updates, um, uh, immediate updates of where Ryan uh, has qualified for a race though qualifying is going to be hit and miss this year I think there's about eight races where they'll do practice and qualifying so we can tell you where the um, the digital bingo balls or however they decide to to calculate the qualifying stats or the results for each week are are tried, we'll, we'll give an update I, on that I, try, I tried to figure out the formula last year uh, yep. <laughs> yeah I ran out of brains yeah, I think they should uh, just tell people it was a formula and this is where they're starting. Um, yeah. But <laughs> the random draw was kind of weird, though. It, it benefited Eric Almirola a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think it's time, Steve, to talk about a little bit of NASCAR history. This week in NASCAR history. This is me breaking open the record books here and dusting them off on February 5th, 1950, all the way back to the 50s. Harold Kite drives a Lincoln to victory in the 200-mile NASCAR Grand National Race at the Daytona Beach Road Course. In his first start, that's pretty impressive, Kite finishes 53 seconds ahead of runner-up Red Byron in a caution-free event out there on the beach. I cannot imagine... Um, I, I've been down there recently. Actually, my wife and I made uh, a trip over to... Um, there's a restaurant there called the, uh, it's like racing's North turn or the North turn. Um, we had a socially distanced, uh, dinner there, uh, out on the, on the back patio, uh, that they have that's overlooking the beach, but you can kind of see where, um, 
where the turn was and they have like a historical marker there but where the, the cars would actually drive down the pavement of the road and then they'd turn and drive out onto the beach and drive back up and that's why it's kind of called the daytona beach and road course <laughs> um and you can just kind of see it in person or you see the the old photos it's kind of impressive that they were able to do that and now um not anywhere close to that but now we're about into our second year in a row where they're running a road course at race at daytona so obviously not the first time that nascar's run a road race in daytona yeah at least high tide won't get in the way there <laughs> i don't see them having that problem all right this week in nascar history february 7th 1954 two-time nascar grand national champion herb thomas wins the 1954 season opener at west palm beach in the famous hudson hornet thomas collects 1600 dollars as the first prize which is sweetened by the contingency money from pure oil company and champion spark plugs so there's a couple of long time uh, uh nascar sponsors there especially champion spark plugs okay, can you imagine that 1954 i mean i'm not sure what the uh what that would be in today's dollars but he won sixteen hundred dollars in the fabulous hudson hornet herb thomas west palm beach i'll have to do a little bit of research on that track i'm not not familiar too much with the history of that track that's that's on the gulf coast right correct palm beach uh, palm, that would be atlantic coast Is that the atlantic? pretty sure but so yeah, so that's 1954. Herb Thomas, another big name in NASCAR history. So I was telling Steve when I was pulling these together that um, this early in February, NASCAR doesn't have a ton of uh, historic because it's just so early in the year. Um, so a lot of these early ones are going to be back into the 1950s. So we're sticking with the 1950s. We're going to February 1st, 1959. Practice sessions begin on the new Daytona International Speedway in preparation for the inaugural Daytona 500. Shakedown runs are conducted despite the fact that a guardrail isn't complete. Yikes. <laughs> Somebody gets launched off the backstretch. Yeah, I can imagine that might be... Uh, they might end up in the beach. <laughs> <laughs> at that point they're trying to get away from racing at the beach and they're out there running shakedown laps in their cars without a guardrail so um yeah i can't imagine that but yeah how about that night february 1st 1959 they're getting ready for the first daytona 500 um all these years later it's turned into an iconic facility that um been lucky enough to see uh both dave and ryan race at so um that's pretty exciting so finally we're moving into at least i guess what I would consider modern times, uh, into the 1990s. <laughs> and so our last uh, piece for this week in NASCAR history, February 5th, 1995, NASCAR launches the Craftsman Truck Series with an 80-lap race at Phoenix International Speedway. Mike Skinner is the first winner of the series. He started from the 16th position and went on to win the race. What are your thoughts on the truck series? The truck series, that's the series um, that's really fun to watch. There's a, it's a true test of guys' uh, driving ability because those cars are not underneath underneath them very well. That back end seemed to slide pretty easily, and uh, it really shows off who's got good hands and throttle control in the car. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch a truck race. I would have to say, I would have to agree 100%. Um, 
it was awesome when Ryan was in the truck series, though it was a little bit like you were saying, you know, they're kind of, some of them are inexperienced. Some of them are, you know, uh, veteran drivers, but they, uh, they're shorter races. So the energy level is up and they, a lot of them just don't, I mean, they, I guess they, they care about their equipment, but, um, it's like, man, they're, they're not afraid, uh, to rub fenders in that series or make, uh, you know, crazy passes or, or anything. So the excitement level is huge. The races are entertaining. Um, I, I mean, when those races are on, I tune in every week. It's actually one of the things I look forward to. Obviously love watching the cup series race, uh, on Saturday nights or mostly on Sundays, but watching that truck race is always kind of a, a must see even part of it, or at least the finish of those races. Uh, it's fun to watch, maybe even sometimes over watching Xfinity races, um so yeah so all the way back 1995 february uh i think it was the first or fifth there <laughs> i already closed my record books and put it back on the shelf for the week um so that was exciting so that was this week in nascar history hopefully you enjoyed that we're going to be doing that throughout the year as we go uh as we go along um the dates will be kind of all over the place whatever i can kind of find interesting and i'm sure steve would give me some bonus points if they had uh some blaney uh uh, mm-hmm. statistics thrown in there for uh, uh, one of the, the dates. I'm sure they'll have a Daytona one where, you know, where he leaves the race for over two hours. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I guess he wouldn't be, um, especially after, um, I mean, I've been to two, I think, Daytona 500s that have been delayed over a day uh, this past one uh, where we saw the amazing start to the race, Air Force One flying in and the president circling the track and, um all the excitement around that the race starts and then as uh, usually does it storms and then we drive home and drive back the next day so uh whoever was leading at the time there was was probably led a little bit longer than dave did those those two hours in 2012 when um see that this is a thing i'm not sure how you feel about this but um people make fun of juan pablo montoya who is one of the most decorated drivers in motorsports i think people should show some respect for him but um the incident with the jet dryer is infamous i'm at the track covering it uh for a news organization and watching the fire erupt on the backstretch realizing that dave is in the lead frantically texting steve um asking what exactly happened because i didn't see the impact of it i just see the fire <laughs> the race stopped um but that was an incredible, uh, incredible couple of hours, um, TV coverage showing Dave and Brad Keselowski and a couple of the other guys talking it over, um, TV announcer saying, interviewing Tommy Baldwin, you know, asking like, is this it? Yeah. He's on the spotter stand. He's literally crew chiefing from the spotter stand that night. And he tells Dave at one point, I think we stole this one, bud. He literally said that. And then, of course, it didn't. But, you know, the rain. And then there was rain all around the track, too. So we're not only doing that, but we're checking the radar. Like, one shower comes over at this point, and they'll wash it out, and there'll be no way. And I was really kind of interesting because some of the scanners, too, of the drivers, when they drove over after they fixed the track, they weren't happy with it. They said it was a little soft there with what they did to fix it. But Yeah, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Dale Jr. was saying the track was junk. I think even maybe even before they tried to patch it, I think he said it was destroyed. Um, and me frantically kind of running uh, down to the media center, 
because uh, gosh, I, don't, I mean, I was a little bit behind on the times, but I don't think I had a smartphone at the time. So I'm running back down um, from, because at Daytona, after they did the renovation, you can kind of walk on the top of the roofs of the garage um, and kind of see the track around you. So I'm like watching the fire and watching it on the big screen, running it down into the media center to go back to my laptop to check the radar because I can feel raindrops. And then you see that I'm seeing the radar, the rain coming toward the track and I'm thinking, this is it. This is going to happen. Dave is going to win the Daytona 500. Um, like you said, it didn't happen. Um, one of my favorite uh, things from one of my friends after that uh, from work, Collie at work, that knew that I was a, a big Blaney fan. And he's like, would you really want to see Dave win the Daytona 500 that way? And I said, absolutely, 100% yes. Can't take it away from him. You know, he may not have won it that way, to tell you the truth deep down but you take it you take it any way you can get it guys have won chris busher wins a pocono race with a fog delay you know the kid uh, was it marks wins daytona with a uh with the with the rain you know justin but, haley i think it would be haley. haley why did i say mark I don't know. Justin haley, yeah so you know those things happen they do they don't happen every year no nope. but you know what sometimes the underdog needs to win one that's but, what happens so that was some exciting stuff there. Um, an extra tidbit, not uh, not of this week in NASCAR history, but uh, uh, this month in Blaney fan history, I guess we'll call it. We'll call it that, that infamous 2012 Daytona 500. So, Steve, I'm pretty sure that might do it for uh, this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I know I haven't really even said that that much, that that's what this is, the Team Blaney podcast. Um, we're going to try this, uh, do this once a week, probably get the episodes up there. Um Tuesday, Wednesday, um, kind of make that a little bit regular. So that way you can only have a day or two in between, um, when the, the last race kind of finishes it up. So it's still a little bit fresh in your mind, still fresh in our mind so we can discuss it and then preview that next race for the next week, kind of get you pumped up a little bit early on, um, for the next race. And I think that's, yeah, like I said, that's our mission. We just want to have fun, sit here, have a conversation. We want to hear from you. Like I said, if you can hit us up on uh, at Team Blaney on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Team Blaney, uh, find the podcast again on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts. You can find it there. You can find us uh, at the link. We'll probably put a link down. Um, we're going to tweet this out on social too, uh, but there'll be links to, uh, everywhere that you can find the podcast. We just want you to listen, give us some feedback and just kind of join us in, in this conversation, uh, being fans of Ryan Blaney, being fans of the Blaney racing family. And it'll just be a labor of love. I don't know about you, Steve, but that's kind of how I see it. Well, I can't wait. I have, I can't wait to have a blast. It's actually good to talk to you and see you because you moved away a while ago and, and, we, <laughs> and we, we do communicate, but it's not quite the same as, as being able to at least do it, do this. And, and, uh, hopefully we'll have fun with it and hopefully people enjoy it. Um, you know, have fun with it. Don't, don't take us too seriously. We're not in this for money. We're not in this for, you know, glory or fame. We're in this to have fun, talk about it with each other and then let you guys in on the conversation. All right. Each week, I just want to close out the show with a reminder that, Ryan and the Blaney family are involved in uh, a great foundation called the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. You can find them on Twitter at, at RBFamFoundation. You can also find them online at RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org. They do great work. Their mission is to raise awareness, uh, educate, uh, raise money uh, for, the, uh, for Alzheimer's disease and research uh, to helping people affected by that disease. 
Um, if many of you don't know, Ryan's grandfather, Lou, again, an amazing uh, dirt short track racer, passed away several years ago. He was battling Alzheimer's at the time. So it, it's a foundation or it's a cause that's really close to the Blaney family's heart. So as fans, we should also do anything we can to support that. So again, you can find them, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, at Foundation on Twitter. Um, I know they're doing some great work partnering with some other companies they're doing. I know I've just ordered some uh, amazing, they have like some throwback Sharon Speedway and Lou Blaney and Blaney Lumber uh, t-shirts, if you're familiar with any of that. Great t-shirts that they're going through one of Ryan's partners, Flag and Anthem. They're saying 100% of that money and those proceeds go to a new partnership that they have with UPMC Sports Medicine in the concussion program. And concussions and Alzheimer's are kind of forever linked. Get on there, support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. And until then, for Steve Mez, my co-host, I'm Adam Rogers. This was the Team Blaney Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're tuning in, share it with your friends. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we will talk to you next time.